0: I want to welcome you guys to episode eight of Theologize. Um, This week, we are going to be continuing our discussion about culture's impact on the church, whether it be in this era or as you heard in the last podcast, uh, just a previous era from 30, 40 years ago, or whether it be our grandparents' era or uh, my kids' or our future kids' era, um, just how culture is going to impact the church. Um, and if it's a good or bad thing, or if what should be happening is the church staying main, steady, and impacting culture more. So on today's podcast, I have my friend, this is actually the first remote podcast for Theologize. So I have my friend, Paul velichko Paul, uh, how's it going there?
1: What's up, man? It's good to be on the podcast all the way from the Bay Area. So yeah, it's awesome to be on.
0: Yeah, all the way from the Bay Area. It's not too far. You're acting like, like this all the way from.
1: I mean, it's a pretty long drive. That's So, true. I mean, short flight, long drive, pretty much you can't get here in a day. I mean, if you probably could, I don't know how long actually the, the drive would be, but.
0: I got to um, San Francisco from where I live now, which is Bellingham, Washington, in about 15 to 17 hours. Uh, that being granted, we drove, yeah, we drove straight through the night, which was terrible. Um, I, I literally ended up driving 13 hours and my friend Perry drove two, but he drove from like (laughs) the one to three air, you know, the, and he claimed that his was way harder than mine. That
1: graveyard shift is rough. I'm telling you, I've been on so many drives where I get that shift and everyone's like, Oh, turn the heat off. Oh, turn some like soft worship music on to like put me to sleep. I'm like, do you want to die? I'm the guy who's like, I'm opening the windows down. I'm blasting some music. I'm not about to kill those people in the car, but yeah, you're it's like, rough. you're it's like rough.
0: A, drinking a ton of coffee, trying to eat seeds, and it's just like, draw <laughs> me close to you. <laughs> yeah,
1: and the heater is just blasting. They're just snoring it out.
0: Wouldn't it be nice? wouldn't it be and nice I, all
1: you see is just a a black long strip of highway and it's all you and that's it. <laughs> you're just zoning out
0: dude, I would be uh if if anyone really wanted to punish me, they would make me go drive through the night anywhere. I am a terrible night driver um I just hate it. I'd rather like I fall asleep at the wheel. It's terrible
1: yeah that's that's not fun.
0: Um, But anyway, so I wanted to talk about culture's impact on the church. Um, It's it's interesting because we grew up, our parents are from the same ethnic background. They're both Slavic. Um, And we grew up in the same church, and they sort of had the same upbringing, you know, um, as they were children. Um, And at times it seemed probably more conservative, and there were things that they were taught that they probably didn't carry on. Um, But I want to just, you know... Uh, just to set some background, last podcast we talked with my dad, and he said, you know, when they went to church, people were dressed nicer, slacks, suits, and ties. The songs were mainly hymns. Um, the preaching was more simple, he said, uh, basically one verse or whatever it might be, and it was just easier for him to understand, or for people, they were less educated. Um, yeah, I just want to hear your kind of upbringing in the church, and... and. um how that kind of shaped and impacted you.
1: Sure, yeah. I mean, you definitely know more, I mean, a lot about that because we have pretty much the same upbringing when it comes to the church. We literally came out, you know, the same kind of Slavic church, turning semi-Americanized, but still very Slavic in their roots, right? So, you know, it it was very conservative with the teachings that we kind of heard, and it was very Pentecostal-based, you know? Um, with that being, prayer meetings were super important and speaking in tongues was very there. You know, everybody should be doing it. It's super normal. And if you're not, it's okay. It's well, what's kind of going on there. But also a bunch of rules and uh, kind of a culture like that is very tight knit as well. You know, I've been to a lot of churches and a lot of different things. But I tell you, with, you know, where we got up in our culture and just the friends that we made it was a very tight knit community because you literally grew up with all these people, you know, a lot of people coming in and out of the church, but with these kind of churches where we grew up in, you know, the Slavic church, it was very, you know, I I met this kid when I was two years old and I went through Sunday school and now we still know each other. We're best friends kind of, you know, like me and you are pretty close right now. Like I literally went to Sunday school with you. So that tight knit community, but um, yeah, it's, it's a little background on that. Definitely born and raised in the church
0: so yeah it's it's kind of interesting because we grew up in this church but it was not it was not really affected by the culture of the town we lived in well we lived in the bay area so it wasn't like that church wasn't impacted by what was really happening around like the style of music i mean later on we picked up more of the modern worship but growing up you know the style of music was some it was carried on from like the the immigrant mentality a lot of it was um it was carried from the russian immigrants and that culture was more impacting in our church than what the city or town that we lived in at the time and there weren't many people from the community that actually even attended the church right
1: yeah no it's definitely with with these kind of smaller slavic churches they're very kind of member based like they they, they don't they do focus, don't get me wrong, on missions and whatnot, but it's it's not. They, they Later on, the focus became more of the neighborhood and whatnot. But, you know, in the beginning, when I was at least young, it, it really is about the Slavic members. It's about the Slavic community because it's a Slavic church, right? So it's you're kind of tending the needs of those that are there. So you kind of try to make, uh, you know, the music more old school, more Slavic kind of based, and the teachings are kind of more around that. Uh, that's just kind of what it was that was the culture i guess of that upbringing that church and um it's great you know for the people out there but it wasn't you know of course uh like you were saying it was almost in its own bubble not understanding almost the culture around um which is why you know it's a, a bunch of other things to talk about that but just yeah in general
0: yeah and it's almost interesting because the mentality is close to, we're actually afraid that culture is going to impact what we have here, you know, like there's this, uh, (laughs) this fear, you know, I, I mean, I grew up, um, and the older generation was always like the, the, the popular saying was those are things of the world. Like don't bring those things of the world in the church. And I feel like there was this level of fear that what they had built and what they had understood was going to be impacted by the culture that they had moved into and you know to be honest that just happens with most churches is kids get emerged immersed in the schools they get immersed in the community and they see the different things that other churches might do or other people do or other style of music and they want to incorporate that in their church and for the longest time the older generation at the church we grew up in and a lot of these churches they were afraid of that right so
1: yeah yeah definitely i mean that that definitely brings up a question of mine too how do you feel on the culture of the church almost changing with the culture around it is that a positive is that a negative what things should they change what things should they obviously you know the base roots of belief should never change you know in christianity and religion and in this you know walk with a block of faith but what as a culture Do you think a church should change, and and should it in general, should it change to meet the culture around it, or should it kind of be like, hey, I'm not going to change what I'm doing right now, I'm on my own road, the world could be on its own road? Um, What are your thoughts on that?
0: You know, I always, um, and I'm glad you brought that up, but anytime I think about that question, I kind of always jump back to the, um, uh, the verse where Apostle Paul is saying, with the Jews, I was a Jew, and with the Greeks, you know, I was as a Greek and while we don't want to you know we don't want to go out there and take it to the extreme like if we're trying to reach out to a satanic cult we're not going to partake in <laughs> satanic cult rituals so that we can have an impact or effect be like you know yeah. right before I'm about to sacrifice this goat but listen you guys let me use this metaphor here for you to show you the blood of Jesus like you're not going to yeah. take it that far um, no, but that's, that's ridiculous. I do think that Um, there is this level of where the church should evolve with the technology and the church should evolve with music like i don't think we should be singing the same 10 songs for you know 50 years um the style that we teach our kids um the the technology that we use for daycare the technology we use you know even having internet in the church like i attended a church where that was a problem like people didn't want to have internet because they didn't want the kids to be on their cell phones and i get it but that's that back to that fear of you know culture impacting the church but i do think that we should evolve with the times to an extent so technology songs you know yeah those songs should be focused on like the gospel and what christ has done and and him being the son of god but you know we shouldn't be stuck i think in this in this way that we're comfortable with Um, because i think those people or those churches that are stuck in a way that they've just gotten comfortable with are the churches that have the hardest time eventually reaching out to communities and spreading the gospel message so I I do think that we should have a level of evolution in our churches but that should stay within what scripture says like let scripture be the guideline obviously Uh, if we're pushing boundaries there then yeah I would say like okay this is starting to get a little out of hand and culture is probably impacting the church more than you know the church is impacting the community and the culture around you Yeah. so that's what I think about that
1: I kind of think of, uh, um, I just listened to a podcast, actually, Mark Sayers. I don't know if you've heard of him. Uh, John Mark Comer. he is, does a lot of podcasts with this guy. Uh, and he had this one quote, which was super interesting. It was, Christian culture now is the kingdom without the king on earth. And a lot of people, you know, physically, he's not here, obviously, Jesus. But uh, physically, what, what he was talking about is like, how has the church evolved from early modern days? I mean, early days to what it is now in the culture, and how different all of these areas of society are. Like the Western society is so different than this society, and it's like every kind of country and area has something so different. And what he was describing was it's the kingdom without the king. It's the people trying to almost justify of how we should be without a physical king you know, being there. And that was a super interesting quote that he said, but uh, really interesting idea, and it kind of really goes well um, with what we're talking about now.
0: So I kind of want to elaborate on that. So, like, is, uh, is he saying that per church, like people are trying to figure out essentially what Jesus would want in this church? Um, it, was, it, was it was not
1: really, I mean, it wasn't definitely per church. It was more like society as a whole. You know, like how the Western church is so different than, you know, a lot of other churches in the world. And just the world and its fears of Christianity, how culture is so different, you know, north, east, south, west, kind of everywhere. And it's kind of this group of Jesus followers trying to see how it's actually supposed to be.
0: Okay. That's interesting. Definitely
1: interesting. Yeah.
0: You know, I had this thought. It's a little bit off topic, but I had a thought. Um because I was talking to someone about shame recently and I think I want to jump back to that idea that, um, the, you know, the older generations were afraid of culture impacting the church too much. Um, and I think that with that there became this, uh, they had to like come up, maybe it was subconscious or maybe it was a conscious effort, but they had to come up with this idea of how they're going to keep, um, culture out of the church impacting the way that things that they're comfortable with um and it might sound derogatory saying that but that's es- essentially what we witnessed i would say um and I, I found that a big tool that people would use to keep you know things from changing is fear um fear in the form of like shame so uh, i saw this and i don't want to harp on slavic churches because there's plenty plenty of slavic churches that are Wonderful, awesome, and there's good in every church, <clears throat> but I did see this as a tactic because I'm from Slavic background. As a tactic from the Slavic churches, where they would use something that was, uh, some, they saw something that they were not comfortable with, and so they would use shame as a tactic to, you know, sort of quell that out of people. And so people felt shameful. Uh, maybe it was the type of music that they like, type of worship, and saying that's not from God. You should be ashamed of yourself. That's a, you know charismatic or you know they don't really sing about jesus or things like that and so i want to talk about uh switch gears a little bit to talk about shame being part of the church culture uh, right now and how poisonous that becomes for believers and i think that stems as a fear tactic for keeping culture out of the church so i'd like to hear your thoughts there shame i mean shame is a pretty poisonous it's a powerful thing and if people are experiencing it, they could be, yeah, it could be tough.
1: Yeah, I look at that definitely as what you're saying. Um, very negative. I mean, you know, I just, whenever I think of sh- shame or fear, you know, that's obviously the opposite of what God is, right? That's obviously the opposite of what God even does and, and gives. And, you know, shame is. It's like the, almost the evil side of conviction, right? It, it says that God will, you know, you will have a healthy level of conviction, but it's almost like shame is an unhealthy level right there. And it could be, you know, it is twisted in a lot of ways. And, like, when I think of shame and fear, it's just these things that do hold you back. Almost like fears are like, oh, my gosh, what if this happens? Oh, what if that happens in the church? And those are kind of used, um, but yeah, definitely. I mean, it's it's not just in the church. I, I could see that in in everyone's lives, almost. You know, and everyone I think, you know, could feel a sense of oh, I feel so shameful about this, or I've done this, or I've a fear, and that fear pushes me back of not going further, and that could just be like the church, you know, just like all these things of just like oh, I don't want a young people to fall. I don't want a young people to go into all of these negative things, or I don't want the church to go this way, and um it just holds you back almost from growing. And that that just kind of ties in my mind, you know, um, uh, my question I asked you initially, it was like, well, what things should the church adopt in culture, right? What things should should they adopt and move forward in? Um, And I think positive things are sometimes stopped by your thing, by it could be by fear and it could be by shame, about moving forward. But I really think like as a church and as a culture, like we should be moving. we should be changing because the entire world is changing, right And I think you know technology, if the church did not adopt technology as as they did, you know a lot of churches have, we would not be able to have virtual church.
0: you we know should. if, if we
1: were, everyone was so old school and saying that we would be literally stopped. It would be like the old days of you know, you know because we come back from the kind of Slavic communism of just like, oh you, no church gatherings, no nothing. Well, now we can't have church gatherings with technology.
0: So. Right. And there are a lot of churches that I know specifically that didn't adapt and they couldn't meet for a long time. Um, and I know how hard it was on those people. But at the same time, you know, virtual church does get really difficult. Like I've been pretty checked out at times in virtual church. Um, it's It's a different worship experience. Yeah, you hear the message and you can take a lot from it, but... You know, community is so important um, in church, and you know that uh, just as well as I do, That how important that community is. And so, um, and that's another thing that I'd like to talk about is, does culture impact the you know community in churches like this that are not willing uh, to adopt to the times? Um, does that impact community in a church if a church is not willing to adopt to the times? Uh, more so for younger people that are growing up in the churches. I think that a lot of it is younger people start questioning why the older generation does certain things. And then, you know, obviously older older generation doesn't like the questioning. And some people might think it's rebellion. Other people just might not have the answers, whatever yeah. it might be. But, um, yeah.
1: The, and just the- going on that topic, I mean, I think questioning in a church is super healthy. Um, it could be taken as a negative or a positive. But in my eyes, I think when you have a young person question, uh, those questions might out of be, you know, I mean, they might be out of, like, rebellion in someone else's eyes. But in my eyes, it's almost like, well, these young people are pushing boundaries with thoughts and and just, like, ideas. It was just like, well, they're almost testing their faith. So I think, first of all, questioning is really good by young people in the older church because, one, it makes the, you know – the wiser quote-unquote people in the church or the elders or whoever is being questioned to recheck their faith, recheck their thoughts, recheck their theology, saying, well, am I actually doing this right? And to actually explain it. I think a lot of people get angry when you question because they can't explain it, right? Like yeah. when you have somebody like you know, asking you all these questions, like, well, why? You ask the question why a million times, you, you end up getting, I don't know why, and you just get frustrated. You just want to end the conversation and be done with it. And I feel like a lot of... A lot of people get like that. And the famous quote I love so much, it's not really a quote, but it's an idea. Well, it's kind of, I'm I'm paraphrasing it, but I think it's, I believe it's, I might be butchering it, but Albert Einstein. He said, if you can't explain a topic to a child, then you don't understand that topic at all. And that's, you know, kind of reminds me of how Jesus taught, right? He taught, uh, you know, parables and stories that, could be so basic but right now we have like theologians and philosophers dissecting the living out of it and it's like immensely deep right. this stuff um like i think i went down a rabbit hole with uh no no i actually with, with
0: culture i like where you took the conversation because i <laughs> i you know even so i'm in the tech field and if i learn a subject for me to understand it fully I have to explain it to someone That that's just how you yeah. know you understand something or can learn it the best but yeah a lot of these people in the church they have known or you know they've been taught one thing for so long that they don't really know why they think that and when you sort of brought up this question um there's these good group of guys that paul was preaching to in scripture i think they were called the bereans and they paul was like dude these guys are all-stars because Anytime I preached the gospel or preached something from Scripture, they would they wouldn't just like believe me right off the bat. They would go home and they would research and try to figure out if what I was saying is true. And then once they had figured out, done the research, and believed at that point, Paul's like, "Yeah, like that's what you should be doing." I I could be, you know, some crazy guy comes out there, you want to be checking scriptures.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and and to a lot of people, what they might be doing and and seeing is like oh my gosh, you were the rudest person in the world. How dare you question this apostle? <laughs> you know, like you have that side of Christians that are just like, how dare you question this? This is the word of God he's talking. It's like, well, is he actually talking the word of God or is he just talking passionately and paraphrasing uh, this one scripture that should be taken out of context like insane, you know?
0: Right, yeah. No, that's uh, I mean, I think it's so important that you're right. We should be questioning a hundred percent because if, if we're not, then what we are doing is we're just kind of like dead fish that are floating down a stream and we're not really understanding better of what Jesus is saying or, or why we've been doing things a certain way. And I think, <coughs> excuse me. Oh my goodness. I think that if you get into that place where you're not, Questioning your spiritual life really begins to take a dive, um, and you yeah. just become numb basically.
1: So, I, I got a question for you now that we're on this, you know, this whole thing, and it, I think it fits actually very well with what we're talking about. Uh, culture, the church, uh, what is your feel? Because there's been a lot of things going right now, you know, with um, celebrity pastors, you know, yeah. and, and, and the view they have now. And I think these guys, they've adopted the culture so immensely, you know, and they've gotten almost so much fame because of it. They're called, you know, celebrity pastors. Um, what is your opinion on that? You know, that I really think that is when the church fully adopts the culture that it's in, and you know, it starts dressing like it, starts talking like it. It's, to an extent, almost, you know, to get more people, it starts shifting its beliefs a little bit more. Try to grow and and try not to preach like super cutthroat hard, but almost like very inspirational one-liners that apply to thousands of people. But it's not, you know, the quote unquote. You mean the things
0: you see unquote. on like instagram reels and stuff yeah like, yeah
1: exactly <laughs> you know you got these guys and i'm not trying to name names or anything but everybody
0: knows <laughs> about him
1: you know everybody right. sees this stuff and i really think that is you know an example of just like well we've taken culture and we we, you know, we sucked and we're trying to be exactly like it what is what are your thoughts on that and where do you think the line should be in our churches
0: dude you're gonna get me canceled no uh, i mean i i definitely think we we we're talking about that like there should be a level of adoption i think there is a level of too much adoption um where and you know we're not it's dangerous at one point because we're not called to be sitting here judging churches and ministries right like that wasn't that wasn't ever christ's mission for us we should be discerning we should be discerning Where we're like, you know, that's not the way I want to raise my family. That's not what I believe is the scripture. That's not what I believe the scriptures are talking about. Or that's not what is convicting, the Holy Spirit is convicting me of. But I do think if I can, just to, you know, whatever, I'll YOLO this. Um, I think there is a level where it's like a lot of these celebrity churches are too much. I think that it's not about Instagram reels. And I think it's not about motivational... um, yeah five minute like power it's literally motivating like speech it's like a you get up in front of you know uh it reminds me of that like um you know have you ever seen that commercial with pinocchio where he's a motivational speaker (laughs) and he's like no
1: but that already sounds funny because his nose is probably going to start growing yeah, so he
0: like he says to this guy in the front row. He's like, "You've got potential." And then right away his nose grows and the guy just like drops his head and is like, "Oh." Yeah. But, you know, yeah. but you know, churches are becoming a motivational speaker convention kind of thing. It's like, "Get your life back on track." When that's not what really I believe the church was ever designed to be. Um it, it's easy to get a church, a mega church where you come in You sit down and the pastor delivers this fiery motivational sermon and then you leave and there's not really community. There's not really like a sense of like the Holy Spirit was convicting you or leading you or teaching you. You just get motivated by these like, you know, hip pastors, which if you can like, if you want my honest opinion, maybe they're doing good for a lot of people. But, you know, celebrity pastors, like were pastors ever really called to be celebrities? Yeah. In, no. In that regard. that
1: reminds me of something uh, I was listening to a podcast the other day as well Circuit Riders Brian Brent uh, he said such a fire thing and an amazing um, podcast that he delivered one day what he was talking about is this young generation a lot of these people no longer want to just seek facts they want to seek the actual relationship with God they don't want to see someone just doing facts and all these things, and motivational things and I think like you know, where we are as a church, like that's, i say the popular churches, you know, a lot of them, like what you said, one-liners, big things, you get so inspired. But then, you know, let's say you're a young person, you know, and then you're like, oh my gosh, that's so awesome. I feel great. I feel motivated. And then they're just like, what do I do now? I don't know what to do, but that was awesome. Oh my gosh. Um, but then, you know, I, I really think there's a huge craving of not just facts. I mean, I, I really think these people want to see the actual Jesus. They want to have an actual relationship and see what that actually means. Like, I've and a lot of people and what I've grown up with and, and been with, they know the Bible back in front, but a lot of people are, are, are really missing the core, you know, and, and what we kind of t- talked about, you know, it, it's walking with Jesus. It's, it's that relationship version of, you know christianity it's it's almost the next step it's making it's making and i talked i love this thing i talked about with one of my buddies the other day it's like seeing religion is seeing like a uh, a painting a beautiful painting in black and white but once you walk in relationship and you actually know jesus and your and your life kind of you see it all in color then it all makes even more sense it's like oh my gosh wow that's beautiful looking at that but Um, Yeah, just a little
0: side comment on that. No, that's good. So, yeah, so I guess back to that, like what you were just saying is a lot of these, you know, big churches are celebrity pastor type churches are missing a lot of discipleship, which is the most important aspect to what a believer needs in his or her life, especially yeah, as a younger believer. Now, I'm not saying... And I'm sure you're not saying that these pastors are ineffective completely and they're like heresitical and and all these things. But I think we do need to be careful when people get so stoked on um, one type of speaker and, you know, and yeah. But I think, you know, when it comes down to it, (laughs) have you ever read Francis Chan's book? The one where he talks about like home church is the way to go
1: uh i forgot the name of it but i I, i've read most of his books possibly
0: yeah so he he advocates for home church um instead he's like this is what scripture seems to be saying that we should be having home churches and i you know that's the interesting thing is COVID has kind of pushed us into home churches essentially
1: It's, it's very crazy yeah
0: but I think there needs to be the thing is a lot of people aren't ready for home church like they don't have direction um in how to do a home church right like yeah you like we said we you listen to the virtual the yeah. virtual stuff but you don't really like it's the same impact isn't there
1: and it it goes that reminds me you know talking about francis chan it, i i do remember reading that book and there was a section of it and what he was talking about i think he had a dream or a vision um and he was envisioning like this giant pool or ocean of all these people uh and they were with like you know floaties and stuff like that and francis chan was saying there's going to be a day when we can't meet up in large churches and you have to seek god yourself and he was saying He's afraid that the modern-day church, if you take that floaty off, you can't swim. You can't seek God by yourself. You can't receive and have a relationship by yourself or with those small group of people because you're so reliant on church. You go to church, and you know, you hear an amazing message. You hear awesome worship, and you go home. And then if that is completely gone, what he was saying is, are we prepared to have those mantras are we prepared to even get to that standard i was talking to another person the other day. it's, it's kind of crazy because uh it's a little he was making the comparison of communism back in the day and kind of now uh you know we're not allowed to have church gatherings anymore yeah it's not religion persecution that's debatable topic whatever but we're not allowed you know to gather in churches anymore just like how they used to be back in the day if you were, it's it's almost kind of breaking the law. Like you can't have more right. than a certain amount of people in a household together or, you know, large gatherings and how it used to be. And he's kind of making comparisons to what it is, but kind of going back to what you're talking about. Um, it, it is that, you know, I really think the modern, like church right now, like, elect, like technology is going to be used heavily. And I really think we are, if, it, if COVID ever doesn't get better, you know, people are having hopes. But I think, you know, even for another year or so, at least I don't think it's going to be back to large church gatherings anymore. And I think like what you were right. saying, you know, of those small groups and those small house churches and how, you know, that's what you yeah. think true Christianity kind of is or I mean, not yeah. true Christianity, but almost like biblical looking at how it was in the Bible in the beginning of Acts, how they kind of oh, gathered sure.
0: together. I mean, that's who Paul wrote most of his letters to were churches like that. Yeah. That are, <clears throat> you know, like the Corinthian church, you know, they're just a house church. And same with all these other churches. But that's going to be, you know, you mentioned that we're probably not going to get back to normal big church for a year tops, at least, at least. And <clears throat> sorry for the people out there that are more. Um, that are having hopes after
1: the COVID shot. <laughs> Yeah, but
0: it's going to be a while before these large church gatherings are back to normal. If they ever are, there might never be a normal that we used to think of as normal. But what's going to be the determining factor for a lot of people in this next year is going to be, are they willing to like, okay, we're in this situation. Am I going to be willing to take this home church essentially to the next level where I have to worship here? Like, am I going to really press into God with the people that I'm with here in this church right now? Or am I just going to kind of continue to like let this fade? Um, because ultimately we can make that switch. And I think it's extremely doable for most people to make that switch, to go into home church, to press in, to get into worship. And maybe it's, it's uncomfortable it's, at it's, first.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. But I, I mean, honestly, it's even for myself. it's, oh, it's so hard. It's very, yeah, it's, it takes so much willpower sometimes to just do it. Yeah. But once you do it, it's awesome. But it, it's completely different, man. Like, by yourself, or even with your family, and not being in those large groups, because you do, you do feed off of groups too. Because oh, you know, of I mean, course, it, it's, a, it's an mentality. emotional thing. You know, you see someone on the on the right of you, like singing loud and raising their hand, or you see the left saying hey, "Amen, brother," that's awesome. Woo!
0: You right.
1: yourself get encouraged and almost hyped up from that, and that oh, almost
0: sure.
1: like relates to. Oh, yeah, that was an amazing, amazing, amazing service, man. I was just emotional powerful but then you don't use you, you make the transition of uh oh, i'm at home now and you're watching right. it on your laptop iphone tv and it's like you can't really do that you can but you can it's almost changing into something different um
0: right. yeah, i totally agree it's almost it's, 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 almost, a uh, <laughs> it's almost non-authentic at home at least that's how I feel. Like, it would be forced. <laughs> like, I'm comfortable. But, you know, that that shouldn't be the mentality. Um. Anyways, Paul, we are going to be having to be in the podcast here. We're a little over 30 minutes. But I would love to have you on another episode very shortly. I felt like the conversations just flow so easy. Um, and we can keep this going. <laughs> I'm really hoping that by the time this is all done, that it's not just like the recording didn't just get smashed or something while it's <laughs> uploading <laughs> Um, but yeah. yeah, so anyways, you guys, thank you for listening to episode eight of Theologize. Uh, please do download this episode and respond with your feedback, questions, things you'd like to hear in the future. Um, and if you'd like to have Paul on the podcast again, definitely do let us know and we will make it happen sooner rather than later. All right, you guys. Thank you for listening. All right.